Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Welcome to a sermon podcast from Salem Lutheran Church. For more information, please stay tuned at the end of the sermon. Our first lesson for this third Sunday after Pentecost is found recorded in the book of Numbers, chapter 27, beginning at the 15th verse. Moses spoke to the Lord, May the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the community who will go out before them and come in before them, who will lead them out and bring them in, so that the community of the Lord will not be like sheep without a shepherd. The Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua, son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and place your hand on him. Have him stand in front of Eleazar, the priest, and the entire community. You will commission him in their sight. You will give some of your authority to him so that the entire Israelite community will listen to him. He will stand with Eleazar, the priest, who will inquire for him, before the Lord with the decision of the Urim. He and all the Israelites with him, the entire community will go out at his command and come in at his command. Moses did just as the Lord commanded him. He took Joshua and had him stand in front of Eleazar, the priest, and the entire community. He placed his hand on him and commissioned him just as the Lord spoke through Moses. Our second lesson is found recorded in St. Paul's 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning at the first verse. This is the way a person should think of us, as servants of Christ and stewards of God's mysteries. In this connection, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful, but it is a trivial matter to me if I am evaluated by you or by a day in a human court. Why? I do not even evaluate myself. I do not, in fact, know of anything against myself, but I am not justified by this. Rather, the one who evaluates me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing ahead of time until the Lord comes. He will bring to light whatever is hidden in darkness and also reveal the intentions of hearts. Then there will be praise for each person from God. Brothers, I turned these things into a lesson, using myself and Apollos as examples. I did this for your benefit, so that you may learn from us not to go beyond what is written. Then you will not be arrogant, favoring one person over the other, For who makes you so special, and what do you have that you did not receive? But if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Our gospel is taken from Matthew chapter 9, beginning of the 35th verse. Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them, 
because they were troubled and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers into his harvest. Jesus called his twelve disciples to himself and gave them authority to drive out unclean spirits and to heal every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, and Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James the son of Elpheus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. Jesus sent these twelve out and commanded them, Do not go among the Gentiles and do not enter any town of the Samaritans. Go instead to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for consideration is found recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9, beginning at the 35th verse. I open with these words from our text. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This is the word of the Lord. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, and once again, heirs of everlasting life, If someone would ask you, who is Jesus, I have a funny feeling that the one word that would probably pop into your head immediately would be, he's my savior. In fact, you might even go so far as to say, well, he's everyone's savior, for he is the savior of the world. And as soon as I think of savior, immediately I go right to the cross of Christ. Because this was the Lord who led that perfect life and then offered that perfect life as an atoning sacrifice on the cross for the sins of the world. Keep in mind the great exchange. He took all of our sins upon himself, even endured the agony of hell itself, and in return, through faith in Christ, we receive his righteousness. That's the ticket to heaven. He won for us on the cross that forgiveness of sins and with it the hope of eternal life in heaven. But that wasn't all Jesus did. In our minds, that might be the highlight and the thing we focus on immediately. But during his three-year ministry, Jesus was very, very busy. He wasn't just sitting around waiting for the cross. And in fact, our text sums it up beautifully, what Jesus was doing each and every day. Three different words. Teaching. Preaching. Healing. When I think of these three words, I couldn't help but think of the program that when I first came to Salem, it was just finishing up. It was a financial program and, and to help deal with some of the budgetary numbers and, and the shortfalls, as, as well as to do some future planning and, and a possibly down the road a building project. And like I said, I wasn't really directly involved. It was right towards the end of the three-year program. It was called, Thy Kingdom Come, Thy Will Be Done. And I remember the banner always 
at the top of the steps because I was reminded every time I came up those steps, the three subparts of that program, it was preach, teach, and reach. Compared that to Jesus, two out of three isn't bad, but that's not even the point. First, think of Jesus was doing the outreach over and over, and he was doing it by teaching and preaching and healing. He was teaching in the synagogues. In fact, it was his common practice to always worship and to teach at the synagogues. In fact, his teaching, we know from Scripture, came with great authority. People were just awed. He, sat, he stood out different from all the other religious leaders of the day and their preaching styles. And I am convinced that Jesus preached with authority, not just because he was the Son of God, because he constantly opened the scriptures to them. He constantly showed them from the Old Testament concerning the Messiah and the Christ and how it is all fulfilled in him. And then we hear that he's preaching, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Kingdom is where a king rules, and Jesus certainly rules from heaven, but he also rules in our hearts here on earth, always using the gospel, the good news of Jesus, certainly centering in the cross itself. This gospel is what Jesus would preach. See, the religious leaders at the time, they were preaching, here's what you need to do. It was all about a religion of man's works. Where Jesus was coming, announcing to people what God would do for them and how God would save them. And once again, his invitation, believe it and through faith in Jesus, you shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then he was healing. All of his healings were miracles. And miracles, the word in and of itself means sign. Like a poster. Like a billboard. Every time he was doing a, a, a miracle, it revealed over and over again who he really was. He was the son of God who is the son of man. He is fully God. And in fact, we're told here that when it came to healing, he healed every disease and every sin, notice the emphasis on the word every. There wasn't no disease that was greater than our Lord. He had complete authority over everything. He has almighty power over every disease, over every sickness. And this is what our Lord was doing day in and day out. Preaching, teaching, and healing. And as he did so, he makes a divine observation. He says that these people are like sheep without a shepherd. They were sheep without a shepherd, meaning that they were helpless, lost, hopeless. In fact, he described them as troubled, literally harassed. They were certainly harassed by their religious leaders who constantly told them, here are all the laws. 
you have to follow. They even created more laws for people to follow. And one thing about God's law is, yes, God's law shows us our sins and ultimately a need for a Savior, but the law doesn't have the power to get you to stop sinning. So giving people more laws to get them to be better yet doesn't work at all. And these people were troubled. They were horrified by that. They were struck down by the fear of death itself because they were sinners who deserved the punishment of, of sin, which is death. They were horrified by their own guilt because of their sins. And then these are people who are downcast. Literally, the word means to be forced to the ground. They laid there helpless, couldn't even get themselves up. These are people who are totally crushed. There's no hope in that. They were lost and helpless, all because of sin, all because of guilt, all because of death. And so Jesus at the heart of all this, says these words because he had compassion for them. This is the key word in this whole section. This is a unique word, this compassion. It doesn't mean he felt sorry for them. Oh well. It doesn't mean that he just pitied them because he just considered them fools. No, the word here for compassion is a very, very unique word. Every time I see this word, it always touches my heart because it is a word that means more than heart. When you think of compassion, you would think of a feeling you have from your heart. This word here in the original language is pronounced spalakna. And spalakna simply means it is a word that was used for the inner parts that were taken out at a sacrifice. And in this word, over time, eventually became known as the heart of one's feelings. We always say in our language that the heart of feelings is the heart. But this palunkna, this is saying that it's even deeper than that. He didn't just have a heartfelt feelings for them. He had it down into his gut, so to speak. This is the very heart of his soul, the very heart of his very being. You cannot get more direct and more personal than to have those kind of feelings for another. And these are the feelings that our Savior had for all these lost sheep who were sheep like out of, without a shepherd. To hear that God has these kind of feelings for us brings me to my knees. I am awed, humbled that God, you would think of me this way. I don't even deserve this. And yet Jesus had compassion on them, right down to his very being. See, God is not just a God who is out there someplace, a God who's left us to our own fate, a God who, by the way, as long as you're happy, he'll approve of whatever you want to do. No, this is a God who cares. This is a God who sees a problem and does something about it. This is a God who loves you more than you can even begin to imagine or understand. His love goes even further out. And he has it for each and every one of us.
We have a wonderful and precious and glorious and gracious God. And this is a God we can't think enough, who has compassion on us all. But his feelings aren't just feelings inside. When, when the Bible says that God has feelings, it also means that God does something. And notice what Jesus does. He tells his disciples to pray. But notice what he asks them to pray for. And before he explains what they ought to pray for, he makes this statement. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He not only has a divine observation of seeing them as sheep without a shepherd, but he also sees them as a field of wheat ready for harvest. And what is lacking is there's not enough workers. He doesn't tell them to pray that these people would come into church on their own or come to the knowledge of, of the truth and be saved on their own. He doesn't say that sit back and, and try to figure out a way that you can entice people and, and, and maybe they'll come in because you're giving them what they want to hear. No, instead he says pray for workers to go out into this harvest field. Pray for more workers. I always think of the beautiful Great Commission that Jesus gave during that 40-day period before he ascended into heaven, that 40-day period that began with his resurrection. Before he ascended, he would say, go and make disciples. He didn't say, wait and make disciples. He didn't say, sit and make disciples. He said, go. People aren't going to come. You go to them. You reach out to them. You care for them. And when we pray, Lord, send out workers, we're not exempting ourselves. Even though Jesus doesn't say it, Lord, please move my heart. Please, please move my heart to use the talents and abilities that you have given me to certainly proclaim that holy word, and to share the message of Jesus with another. Please, Lord, grant me a heart to see that the talents that I have are to be used with others who have been blessed with talents, that our talents together use complementing for the greater good, and there is no greater good than the message of Jesus Christ. For it is true, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. God, grant me a heart to have an attitude and, and, and a passion like in Isaiah when he was asked by the Lord, who shall go? And he said, send me, send me. Lord, move all of our hearts to serve. What is interesting is that when it comes to Jesus, he doesn't just talk the talk. He also walks the walk. Not only did he invite them to pray for more workers, but out of all the disciples, he calls 12 to be an apostle. The word apostle means to send out. And an apostle is one chosen by Jesus, sent out by Jesus to do missionary work. He chooses these 12 men, and, and I could spend a whole sermon easily on just a 
about these men. But suffice it to say is you'll notice that this entire list is always the same in order, in the same order in the other Gospels as well. And in fact, the order is really set up as three groups of four. We have two Simons. We have two James. One is James, son of Zebedee. The other is James, son of Elpheus. And from what we understand, this second James quite possibly may be a nephew of Jesus, for his mother and Jesus' mother were sisters. And then we have two Judases. You might be looking, where is the two Judases? But Thaddeus also went by the name Judas and is called in the scriptures Judas not Iscariot. He was not the betrayer. Where Judas Iscariot is always called the betrayer. It was these men that Jesus sent out. And what is truly amazing is Jesus gave them this instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles and do not enter any town of the Samaritans. Go instead to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You would have expected that Jesus would say, hey, go and share the word with everyone you meet. But keep in mind, this is the first time they're going out. Jesus will be ministering to the Samaritans, but the plan was not now. That would come later. Jesus wanted them to focus on just the people of Israel. This is, again, the first time going out. So it makes complete sense why he would tell them this. And of course, what, they were, what were they to do? The same thing Jesus is doing. They were to teach and they were to preach. In fact, they were to preach that the kingdom of heaven is near. These are words that we hear even from John the Baptist. These are words that Jesus said over and over again. And don't forget that the one word that was always connected with these words, the kingdom of heaven is near, was the word repent. Calling people to have sorrow over sin and calling people to believe in the gospel message of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And then one other thing he blessed them with, the authority to heal. They were to use that authority and heal people it would certainly drive home the message of what they were teaching because they would be doing the same thing Jesus did. But know that this authority to heal, he didn't give to all people for all times. But the one thing he did give to us all, all people for all times, is to go and make disciples, to go and preach and teach baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching to obey everything that Christ has commanded, not just some things, but everything he has commanded. And that's exactly what they did. My dear friends, the biggest threat to the ministry besides false teaching is apathy, indifference, Laziness when it comes to the talents that God has given you and using them for your own selfish purposes and instead of for the greater good of the kingdom work. My dear friends, there's no room for apathy. That's what chokes a church. 
And in fact, that's what will kill a ministry. We have a great responsibility to join the apostles of old in also preaching and teaching. But in order to do so, you must know the word. Study it. Take it to heart. And proclaim to others no more, no less of what you've seen and heard. It is a great responsibility. It is our Christian duty. But not in a negative sense. This is the greatest duty in life because it is the greatest honor and privilege that any of us could ever have. To know Christ, yes. But to share his name with another? God bless you in your ministries as you look for opportunities to share that holy name, knowing that the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Understand your great responsibility and accept that responsibility with joy in your heart, knowing that you have been called to the greatest work ever given. Preach, teach, and reach. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to a sermon podcast from Salem Evangelical Lutheran Church. If you have any further questions or would like to learn more about Salem Lutheran and its ministry, please check out our website at www.salemevlutheran.org. Once again, that is www.salemevlutheran.org. May God bless you today and every day.